Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson. In this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Kat Noon, the founder and CEO of her startup, Iris, where they're building a modern-day emergency alert application for smartphones. Kat's been a product designer for over eight years with experience designing several different products for companies like ADP. Kat also finds the time to speak at conferences, write about product design, mentor startups through the Accelerator Techstars, and she even angel invests in startups on the side. Kat is a huge proponent of using side projects to test your way into potential new businesses. In today's episode, Kat and I are talking about all of the various different side projects she's built over the years and what kinds of benefits she's gotten out of launching those. We cover her personal process for building a very simple MVP, something she's honed over nearly a decade of product design work, and the way she goes about validating her side project ideas. Kat and I dive into the specifics of onboarding your early customers so they have a great experience from day one, the psychology behind what makes a product go viral, and so much more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Kat Noon. Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You definitely stay busy. So I want to start <laughs> back at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Iris right now and um, which projects you've taken on that sort of led you to where you are today? Oh, goodness. Um, so uh, regarding Iris... Um, we're doing well. Uh, normal, I think, um, early stage startup peaks and valleys. Um, you know, the times where you, um, you know, one day are celebrating, the next are kind of ripping your hair out and figuring out what went wrong and what broke and why it broke and, um, you know, how do we fix it? Um, you know, and, and, and problem solving. Um, you know, we're in a good place. Um, we, you know, a couple months back, we took a, we, we stalled out of it because, um, Technology wise, we got to this point where um, the main part of our technology was just, it was not stable. And we knew that if we, you know, we could have technically gone forward and just launched, um, but it would have been super irresponsible of us as, um, as a company, as individuals who are building products for people to make their lives better to solve a problem. Um, and you know, the one thing we never want to do is compromise, um, on the experience and that would have compromised on our users trust, um, and stability. And that's not something, you know, we're in the, we're in the market to do. So, you know, we scaled back a little bit, we reassessed the playing field and, and now it's a, it's full steam ahead and we're, we're going really fast now, which is you know, super exciting. Um, so, you know, until we hit an, another wall, you know, then, you know, that's it, but, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's all good. It's, you know, I think that that's part of the game. Um, and in terms of like, what led me to here, that is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't even begin to explain. Um, I think, to ensure we're not sitting here for like hours as I drag out all the fun and amazing and also stress-filled things I worked on. Um, you know, I think it was a combination of actually going down the wrong path at one point 
um, you know, with where I actually started, you know, starting dating all the way back from when I was in school, when I was in college and what I wanted to do there. Um, you know, I was pursuing bio and, um, freelancing on the side and, you know, then pursue, you know, ended up in, in special education and freelance on the side and then dove into freelance. And, you know, from there I had these goals of like, you know, I wanted to be a freelancer. I wanted to work in a corporate company. I wanted to work in startup, um, wanted to work in an agency, wanted to found my own company. Um, and I figured that if I hit all of these milestones I'd have, you know, before founding my own company, I'd have enough of an idea of all of the playing fields to understand um, what works and what doesn't. Um, and I was very wrong, <laughs> but very right at the same time. Um, it certainly helped a ton. Um, you know, agency teaches you how to, how to work with the little resources you have in the very small time that you have. Um, and just completely churn things out. You're working fast, um, which helps in an early stage startup. Corporate teaches you, you know, how to work with a very small budget sometimes and a very big budget other times. Um, freelance teaches you how to, to, to penny pinch because you just simply don't know um, what's next. So, you know, I think all of that, um, you know, along with side projects um, that I've worked on, and I think side projects honestly may have been the most beneficial now have just taught me what it takes to actually put something out there and understand whether or not it's something that people like, you know, and if you don't, if they don't like it right then, you know, is it because you need to switch some things and, um, you know, yeah, now, now I'm here and I'm, I think in a position finally, you know, now that I'm on my second startup, um, where I can take a lot of what I learned from the first and all of those projects I just spoke about and, really apply it and not have those same road bumps, but different road bumps, you know? So, yeah. So I do really want to get into side projects, but you said something um, in your last statement that was really illuminating. And I want to um, highlight for our viewers today. Um, you spoke about with Iris specifically, at least um, balancing validation with your idea, getting something out into the marketplace with mm -hmm not wanting to compromise the integrity of, you know, yourselves, your product, not push something out that doesn't feel like it's useful to your audience. How did you make that decision? Were there, was there criteria? Was it a gut feeling? What did that look like for you guys? I think it was just a gut feeling. I mean, we have this, we have this benchmark and it's not a low benchmark. Um, it's very high because you're, the people using your product deserve that. You know, they, I just, I wrote a post the other day, it was about localization, but um, I spoke about how this exchange between users and company or product, what, what have you, is this, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, but we should be scratching theirs significantly more. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm going to make this for a ton of people, but it's really not, you know, it's really not easy. And this this exchange that happens, you know, they, they give you their time, they give you their money. Um, and they give that to us with an understanding that we're going to continue to provide them this service. Um, and if you do it right, you get their trust and you get their love and they keep coming back. And that is something that you should be scratching their back forever. And if nothing else, you owe them stability and 
reliability um, and really solid communication. And I, and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't screw you over if I know that there is that I wouldn't screw anyone over period, but if there's this solid dynamic, if there's this solid relationship, you just don't do that to people. Um, yeah. So the gut feeling was, this doesn't feel right. You know, it's not as good as it could be. And I will not push something into the world, especially in with this type of product that is supposed to be alleviating stress for you um, in this critical moment, if I know it's going to impede on any type of emotional state for you, you know, that, that doesn't feel right to me. Um, right. And so, trust is a huge part of the app you're creating, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, you know, we, Iris's job is to be there for you in these scary times and these times where, where you need a friend most. Um, so for me, why would I, and, and my team for that matter, and they, they, they see it the same way. And, and they said immediately, like, no, this doesn't work. Um, uh, why, why would I compromise that? Why would I compromise that really solid relationship between us? So how did you originally validate the idea for Iris then? What did that process of talking to people and figuring out that there was a gap in the marketplace look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the idea in general came from kind of me being in the position of a user. Um, I was living overseas. I had just moved there and I was driving back from Southwest Germany with my now husband. I had just met his parents for the first time and, um, (laughs) and we were driving back to Berlin and, and we were in the car and I said, you know, I looked at him and I left and I said, if we were to get into a car accident, I'm so screwed. Um, and he was like, what? And I told him, you know, like I have my passport, but what the hell does that do for me here? You know, these, these police officers, the ambulance, whoever, um, they have no idea who I am, who I am. This country has no idea who I am because at the time I was only there on a tourist visa. Um, and I was in the process of waiting for my actual visa to come. So what does that do for me? I get to the hospital. Nobody knows. They don't, you know, if, 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 you know, heaven forbid where, you know, anything happened to us and we can't speak for ourselves, you know, where's my health proxy? You know, where, where's my family? Not there. And they have no idea how to reach me. And the doctors there have no idea how to reach them. And that's a problem. So I went out and I figured out like, okay, who can this be for? Like, who does this target? This is a real, you know, to me, this is a problem. At least it was a problem for me. Um, so I went and I spoke with people who I knew were traveling like nomads. And, um, I spoke with people who have, um, you know, parents who fit into this, you know, what you'd consider an elderly group. Um, and then I went and spoke with doctors and after speaking, you know, I can't, there was countless hours spent, um, via email and, um, you know, on hangouts like this, or, you know, just on a phone call with all of these people trying to figure out not only was it a problem for users, but is that something that doctors see as well? Um, and I think there's like, there's always this, this weird place where you speak with a ton of people and you get this mix of like, yes, men who are like always validating your idea. And I'm like, someone tell me where this breaks. And, um, and then, then I got it. Um, and I, I realized when, when I spoke with the people who told me where it breaks, I'm like, 
Oh, okay. Here's where, here's where the problem solving really has to happen. Um, and then I spoke with the doctors and those were, those are the really the people who I wanted to, I wanted to validate with, because those are the ones that really they're on the sidelines in terms of being a user, even though they can be very much so, but they're the ones that see these people come in and out of a hospital on a daily basis. They're the ones that struggle with communicating with individuals from different countries, um, you know, who are just traveling there and, and unfortunately ended up in that hospital bed. Um, so when they said to me, this is, this is great. I said, okay, this is worth pursuing. Um, and that was that. I mean, we, we knew that like, in terms of beta, it wasn't something that we wanted to immediately let in. Like if it was a design product or something, you know, you let in like 10,000 people and it's like, oh, this is fantastic. You know, so much feedback, but this, this has the potential to be scary if it breaks, if it goes wrong, when it does go wrong. So we wanted people, you know, that were a mix of, um, okay, I'll use the product, but also, okay, I understand how technology and betas work. And um, if anything goes wrong, I'm not going to be completely, um, you know, off the wall. And then, yeah, we, we, we just moved forward and now we're in a position where we're getting ready to happily um, roll it out to everyone. But I think what we'll do there is start off with um, only a number of cities. Um, two very different or whatever number we decide, but I think we're rolling with two very different um, cities, different countries of different sizes in different languages, um, different cultures, because that'll give us a really good idea of how people are using this. So how did you uh, find your first group of beta testers? Um, well, I mean, the thing about it is that um, for Iris, it, it really applies to so many different people um, in I'm fortunate enough that in the tech community, there are a ton of people working remote. There are a ton of no, you know, people who have this nomad lifestyle. Um, and majority of them have, you know, older parents or older grandparents who this would apply to, or some of them even have kids who are, you know, in high school or now going to college where this would work for them as well. So um, I really tapped into that. I, I, I tried to, you know, over the course of the, my time in tech and design so far, I've, um, you know, I made it a point to really build up a network and a group of people who were completely dedicated to, you know, what they do and are really passionate about it. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not one for, um, like really tapping into favors, but, you know, at this time, you know, I reached out to everyone and I said, you know, Hey, this is what I'm building. And, you know, I, I'm happy to say that, you know, whenever I announce that I'm, you know, working on something, I get, um, a lot of feedback, both good and bad, which is what I want. Um, and, but people are always so genuinely excited about trying it out and, and, and helping me. And, and so I really took advantage of that this time. Okay. So let's talk for a moment about doctors, because what I'm thinking is that the majority of the people taking this course, um, are going to be wanting to reach out to influencers or CEOs, people that are really strapped for time and have burdensome jobs. How did you get the attention of doctors? How did you get them on phone calls, on hangouts? What strategies worked for you there? Um, so if I'm being honest, um, I reached out to people who I knew that were working in um, medical or health startups. Um, one in particular is a company that my husband and I are invested in, Kaya. Um, 
And uh, that was the initial um, intro that I received for a doctor in Germany. And um, I reached out to, um, you know, other doctors through, um, through Twitter. Um, so I put out a tweet and, and also a Facebook post. And I said, Hey, this is what I'm, you know, I'm looking for. This is what we're doing. I'd love to validate a few things and ask some, you know, medical professionals. Cause it's not just doctors realistically. Um, some questions, can anyone connect me? Um, and I got a lot of feedback. So it was good. Um, and I also, um, was connected with, um, a doctor who worked on, my grandfather's team, when he was, um, you know, in the hospital for end stage cancer, and um, they were a group, uh, you know, a team of doctors who um, I'm not entirely sure can possibly get any more genuine and kind than they were. Um, and you don't forget those people. And I think, you know, depending on the scenario, they don't forget you either. Um, and they haven't, we've, we've stayed in touch with them, you know, our family and, and I, I tapped into that and I am, you know, continuing to tap into that. So it, it worked out, um, call it luck, call it, um, just maybe not caring much and just putting out tweet and asking for favors, but it worked. Um, yeah. I like that. It's hard work and using the cards you have, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think if, you know, you know, there are scenarios, um, where I think they're, you know, the cards you're dealt are, you know, are shitty for lack of a better word. Um, and it's not always ideal as a founder, but, um, the true test is to play the cards you're dealt and really work with it. Um, and that's from, you know, actual industry, you know, market to, um, to budget honestly. <laughs> so, yeah. So have you had any validation tests, whether it was with Iris or another project you've worked on completely implode in a bad way? Validation, have it implode. Um, define implode um, in terms of validation. Can you do that? Yeah. Uh, what you would judge as a failure. So either you had to pivot in a big way or completely scrap what you were working on. Yes. <laughs> um, so my first startup, which is now um, no longer in existence, obviously, <laughs> um, um, I think, you know, in general, what we had, what we created was um, fantastic. Um, I, I, I can honestly say that I'm, I'm super proud of what we did. Um, but there was a point where we realized, um, so Ruan, my first startup was um, Liberio, and it was a platform for self-publishers um, for simple ebook creation and publishing. Um, the self-publishing industry was was and is not attractive, and in turn, the products that come with it are not. Um, they're not easy to use. Um, they're not beautiful. Um, so we put it out into the world, and the the problem we solved it solved it. Um, you know, as its foundation, it worked really well. Um, but then it came time to start building on that foundation, right? We have this house, we have the cement block, and then you build on top of it. And, you know, you get to a point where you try it, you know, you have this general foundation and then you're like, oh, wait, you know, maybe, you know, should we make it bigger? Should we put an extension on the house? Um, you know, do we need an extension on the house? And, and I think we tried to extend from too many different angles. And in other words, that's feature creep. Um, you know, we started trying to, you know, going 
down a, a number of different routes. You know, um, one of the actually one of the things that I think we did wrong um, was to try and monetize too early. Um, instead of focusing in different areas, don't get me wrong. I love products that monetize from the get-go, but you really need to have things in order that foundation solidified, um, and know that no matter what you're going to get those users immediately. And with those users comes payment. And for us, that wasn't the case. We started off as a, as a free publishing platform. Um, the things that you got were, um, you know, you were able to create an ebook for free, and in turn, you can publish one for free. Um, and you got this base template that you could share essentially like your own landing page for the ebook. Um, but then we said, you know, how do we put more of publishing in the hands of, um, in the hands of the, the self-publishers? And that's where it kind of got messy because at the end of the day, they kind of didn't need it. They didn't need it, um, which meant that we were, we were trying to monetize not only too early, but in the wrong way. Um, and for us that imploded, um, and we, we ended up killing it. Um, and we just went on and we scaled back and, and continued with, with the direction we were going. Um, but that was a, that was a wake up call. That was a little bit of a, oh, you know, like a brick wall. Kat, I have just one last question for you. When it comes to validating an idea, what would you say is the best investment you've ever made? And that investment can be financial product services, tools, or it can be time, energy, anything. So I think there's a, there's obviously a mix. There needs to be a healthy mix, right? A, a mix of um, the tools that you use, um, the time that you spend, the people that you speak to. But if I had to pick, I'd say two, um, one would be um, actually speaking, you know, times, eh, maybe it's one, one thing, time, um, time spent speaking with, um, with, you know, validation, um, but I think there needs to become a, there needs to be a limit to which you actually spend time before building anything validating that idea, um, because then it's like okay, well, you know, at what point are you kind of over validating? Um, you know, what questions? You know, are you asking the right questions that are that are actually getting you the answers you need, or are you asking the wrong ones? Um, did you get a lot of no's? Did you get a lot of yeses? You know, is there mixed feelings about it? I think all of these things play a role. Um, but there needs to be a time where you kind of scale back and you get to building. Um, and throughout building, you know, the time spent focusing on the product, um, getting stuff out there to users rather than just talking to them about it. And that mix of time between validating with users continuously and quickly iterating on the product um, you know, the time spent there. So yeah, if I had to pick, I'd say time, just time divvied really well. I love that. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Kat. Can you tell uh, you. our viewers where they can learn more about you, about Iris, what you're up to? Sure. Um, so for me, um, my website is heyimcat.com. And on there you can find my Twitter, which is uh, at I'm Kat Noon. And uh, for Iris, you can uh, find out more about Iris and uh, news pertaining to that on the website at getiris.co. All right. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.